Hello, and welcome back to Talking Talmud. I'm Ann Gordon, here with my friend and chavruta, Yerdina Azband. Our daf of the day, Masachari Ravin, daf nun dalid, page 54. So, as you'll recall, we ended off uh, on this uh, dramatic moment and very famous Gemara, the story of Guria, who rebukes the Galilean, who uses too many words to ask her, you know, which way should he get to, lo- to Lod? And she says to him, uh, I'm repeating what we said at the back, the bottom of the previous daf, because it leads into our new daf. Um, Isn't this what um, Chazal said, that they said not to increase, not to spend too much time in your conversation with a woman? You could have been more succinct. You could have just said, which to Lod, as opposed to saying, which road leads to Lod. Um, and of course, that is the famous story that people hear about, you know, on the one hand, here's Berea mocking the man for, you know, but also kind of some some measure of, it's very often presented as some measure of self-mockery about this claim of don't increase conversation with a woman. Is she being serious? Is she being cynical? Is she being snide? And in, I think it's important to note, as your Dana did yesterday, that the entirety of this conversation takes on a whole new color, I would say, if you put it back into the context of yesterday's daf, namely that there were different manners of learning and thinking and, and approaching everything from the Galileans as compared to B'nai Yehuda. So if the Galilean approaches Bria and she's of, of the B'nai Yehuda, then whatever mocking tone or slightly mocking tone that she might have may have nothing to do with this statement of, you know, he's having conversation with a woman, but the fact that he's a Galilean and he's asking a question in a way that is, you know, perhaps not as refined as she might have preferred, given the difference in precision between the two um, what communities or areas of scholarship. But, you know, it's, it, I don't know if it's as fine of a line, you know, as hard and fast of a division between the two, but the very fact that he's a Galilean is mentioned here, and that presumably has significance. Okay, so now the Gemara continues and says, Garis Balachisha, right? So the Gemara continues to go into some of Bruria's wisdom. She came across a certain student who was whispering his his what he was learning. Garis Balachisha, he was whispering. He wasn't reading out loud or to, or talking his thoughts out loud. And what does she do? Batshabe, she kicks him. Now, so just in case you thought that she was, um, so, you know, uh, promoting hyper modesty in her discussion with Altar Basicha Meisha. Don't increase conversation with a woman. Here she kicks this student. And she says, Didn't, Doesn't it say, ordered in all things and, and secure and protected? Right. This is a verse from Shmuel, um, Shmuel Bet, Perkav uh, Gimel 23. Meaning that the Torah is ordered. It is, it is, it is organized in all of your 200 ramach is 248 and it always mean it always refers to the 248 limbs of the body this is not an exact count doctor would you like to weigh in on this point um you know something i've never actually thought about that if the 248 is actually true in my Jewish <laughs> mind it's true in my medical mind i've never compared the two <laughs> So I I had it like come from what you know biology class or something and memorizing the skeleton which is what two hundred six bones or two hundred nine bones something like that again I plead 
complete, you know, lack of medical training. This was elementary school biology or some junior high biology. Um, and I always thought that it was kind of cool that it was, you know, within the general, you know, ballpark of the 200 and something. Um, but again, I'm not sure that Ramach, Ramach here is not necessarily bones. It's really um, supposed to be the limbs of the body. I get, I'm not even sure what it refers to, but I do know that we also talk about the 365 atzamot. Right. No, it's two. It's two hundred six bones in the human body. But yes, it, it means limbs. So, so we're not going to go with the science here. But the point the brewery is making still is that Torah is supposed to be in all of you, in in your entire body. You're supposed to be studying with it, and then that is how you protect your Torah. That it, it comes into you because you have given yourself over to it. So that if, and the point then being, of course, that if he is whispering, then perhaps he is not really devoting himself to the learning to the degree that he could. And then there's a proof text or a proof, an example of the Rabbi Lezer had a student who used to study in a whisper. And after three years, he forgot his studies. And the link there between those two things is, of course, a given. Um, okay. So, um, is there one more story here about Bria? Nope. That's the, I mean, the, the what goes on here is, again, rebukes from, or, or discussions rather, you know, how are you supposed to be learning? What must you do as a learner? Some of it aligns with this position that Bria takes with regard to the same student, but it's not really anymore about her. She is no longer a personality in the discussion. And I, you know, for all that she is so beloved, I think, to all of us as, you know, this prime learner of the entirety of Shas. On the other hand, um, this Gemara, uh, this Gemara of her, you know, who she is, seems again to be not quite as dramatic of a statement about women, women in general, as one might expect, given the way it is used, um, you know, to talk about women in general. Um, I want to jump down and your Dana, I know that you're going to talk about Amud Bet. I want to, I have one more thing on Amud Aleph that I want to talk about, which is another very famous Gemara. And I actually sometimes like when we get to do these very famous Gemaras and um, A, make them more famous, right? Make them more known, but also because then we get to see where they are, like in context. It's not something that, you know, people are just yapping and, and making up. Um, so it says like this. The Gemara says, uh, I don't know, I'm still on the first part of Amadal. Look, the daf today is long, and we are obviously necessarily going to be missing a good deal of it, but hopefully we will also be tackling a good deal of it. Chash Barosho, if you have a headache, you feel pain in your head, Yasok Batorah, then you should engage in Torah study, right? You should steep yourself in Torah. As there's a version, Amar Ki Livyatchein Heim Leroshecha. Because it'll be a graceful accompaniment for your head. Okay. We'll come to, back to talk about this in a moment. Chash begrono. You have a pain in your throat. Yasok b'Torah. Then you should, again, steep yourself in Torah. And here we have a different verse. Va'anakim grotecha. And these will be chains about your neck. Right? Meaning that the Torah, um, there's a metaphor for everything but the Torah, right? And it will be around your neck, so then that will cure your throat pain. Chash b'me'av, you have pain in your stomach or your intestines. Yasok b'Torah. There's a theme here, right? What, do you, what should you do? You should go steep yourself in Torah. Again, the idea that uh, this verse is from, from Mishle, the idea that the Torah learning will heal your physical body. Chash b'atmotav, 
your bones are are sore, your bones are hurting, and you can already predict it. Um, you should steep yourself in Torah. Again, another verse from Proverbs that specifically refers to bones and the implication that learning Torah will, or, or steeping yourself in Torah, learning Torah will re- heal you. You have pain all over your entire body, and what should you do? Surprise, surprise. And if you steep yourself in learning, then the Torah will bring health to the entirety of your flesh. Now, so on the one hand, um, I would say that this is, you know, really good practical advice, even to the extent that, you know, if something little is bothering you or something not that little, but, you know, enough to distract you, enough to be something that you're concerned about, pain in your throat or your or your head or whatever, right? So then go learn Torah, and if nothing else, it should distract you, and then you should be able to focus on whatever you need to do, right? As opposed, and, and then the Torah will have served as a protection, let's say, from the, from the ailment. Um, on the other hand, I would say, let's be careful and recognize that this is not intended to be medical advice, right? It's not saying don't take medicine. It's saying that the Torah will heal you in your, well, I don't know. The Gemara does seem to be taking some kind of um, physical connection to the, to the, I'm sorry, some kind of spiritual healing for your physical ailment. And then the Gemara goes on, and I think that we'll see this more directly, and then also perhaps come to a better sense of how this can be resolved, given our need to for science to, to be upheld, at least my need. Amar of Yehuda Berbichia, Bo Urei Shlokim Midat Hakadosh Baruch Hu Midat Basar Vadam. Come and see how it is that the ways of man are not like the ways of God. Midat Basar Vadam. Adam notein Sam Lchaviro Lezayafe Lezekashe. Right for people, for human beings, if you have some kind of ailment in your body, you take, there's some kind of drug that will go to that person and it will be good for this part of the body and it will be bad for that part of the body. But this is not how God is. God gave the Torah to Israel. And it is a drug that, that provides life for the entirety of the body. So here, the Gemara is going beyond the individual whose physical ailment might be healed from sitting and learning Torah, right? It says the the analogy here is the entirety of B'nai Israel are better off, right, than if they had than if they had only uh, you know human human drugs that would only heal one you know one part of the the body politic, right? One part of B'nai Israel over here, and but not that part of B'nai Israel over there. Rather, the, the implication here is that the Torah is good for the entirety of Am Yisrael. All of Bnei Yisrael will be doing better if they would just go and learn Torah. And that's hard to argue with. Um, okay. I don't want to I don't want to belabor the point. Again, I could go on and the Gemara here goes on rather beautifully in this praise for Torah study and, you know, and the discussion of how Torah is naim. Right, and that that is something that we always want for ourselves. So I would again say that that this discussion of you know what does it mean that you should that the prescription here of the Gemara for somebody who is having a physical ailment should go and provide themselves with the intellectual or spiritual um, benefit of learning Torah. I think that we have to recognize that um, the Gemara is again still not talking on the physical plane because the Gemara itself recognizes that 
you know, people will provide drugs for the part that ails them. Um, and listen, it's very hard to get away from the actual sickness in the world right now. So I, again, am not trying to draw any analogies from this to any prescriptive behavior for what we should do instead. I think there's rather a comment on the value of Torah and the way it is healing for, you know, both for an individual, but, and then also more broadly for Bene Israel for this idea that it is the lifeblood of the Jewish people. And, you know, and there are ways in which that does indeed provide some kind of curative properties, whether you're having a physical ailment in any which part of your body, or again, or something is wrong or, or harmful, uh, you know, not well with, with Bene Israel as a, as I, as again, the body politic. Yeah, that's beautifully said. Um, and it's really a beautiful Gemara. Um, for the sake of time, and I could go back and forth with you on this, I'm just going to jump down to Amud back. Um, and I chose something that, again, I think, you know, is reflective of what I talked about yesterday. So you can all see where my interests lie. Um, but, you know, more overtly talking about the actual transmission of the Torah itself. And then, and again, circling back to what are the best, best methods with which to learn Torah. Um, and, and viewing this through a frame again of this being oral tradition, I think is very important. Tana Rabbanan, Ketzad Seder Mishana, right? What's the order? How is the oral law actually taught? Moshe Lamami Piagura, right? So Moshe learned it from Hashem. Nichnas Aaron Bishanalo Moshe Pirko, Nistalek Aaron Biashab Usmol Moshe, right? So then Aaron would come in. Aaron would come in, Moshe would teach him whatever that particular subject was or lesson, right? And then Aaron would move to his side and he would go to his left, right? Right, so then Aaron's sons would come in. There's something about this that's very sad to me about that Moshe's sons are never anything, but that's a whole separate topic. So Elazar would go to the right, Itamar would go to the left, Rabbi Hudo Merli Alam Aharon Limin Moshe Choser, right? So, um, so Rabbi Yehuda, you know, disagrees with the first Tana that actually he would sit on the right. Um, then the elders would enter and Moshe would teach them the lesson. And then they would move to the side, the Zakanim, and then the whole nation would come and then Moshe would teach them the lesson. So Aaron would end up learning this lesson four times, his sons three times, his Akanim twice, and the whole nation would learn it once. Then Moshe would go to his tent, and Aaron, then he would teach the lesson. Right? And then what would happen? Then Aaron would leave, and then his sons would teach the lesson. Then his sons would leave. And then the Zikanim would come, they would teach the rest of the people. And so what basically happens is everybody ends up reviewing this four times, right? So there seems to be something that's interesting about this number four. So from here, Rabbi Eliezer says, So a person needs to teach his student, right? It's very interesting. The obligation is on, it's a methodology of teaching not a methodology of what's the best way to retain your Torah. That was at the beginning of the daf, right? Where it was talking that you have to say your Torah aloud in order to retain it. Here we're talking about the teacher. And I think, again, this is giving us an insight into the Torah Sheba Alpet, into Mesorah, right? It's an obligation of the teacher 
to make sure that Torah Shabbat gets transmitted appropriately. So Rabbi Eliezer says from here, we learn that the teacher needs to teach a lesson four times. Right? And there he says even more so, right? Moshe at least learned it from Hashem and Aaron learns it from Moshe. But today it's just a commoner learning from a commoner, right? Like it's just ordinary people. So how much even more so we need to review things four times. So Rabbi Akiva has a little bit of a different version. And he says, how do we know that a teacher has to keep teaching a student until he understands it, right? Being the implication, it could be more than four times. Right? So the Pasuk is from Devar and Paraklam and Aleph Pasukotet, right? Where um, Moshe basically says, right, this, you know, he's talking about that he writes the Shira for them, right? And teach it to the children of Israel, Okay. And that it's going to be, right, this is from Hazinu, the right, that this is going to be a witness uh, for everybody. Right? And so how do we know that he's to teach his students until the materials organized, right, the sader, in their mouths? Because it says, the continuation of the Pesach says, right, put it in their mouths. And what that means is if you say it's in someone's mouth, what the Mepharshim explained is that means they're capable of teaching somebody else. So that's, again, another key to how the Messiah is transmitted. So it's through repetition, right, four times, and that you know that your student knows it well enough that they're able to now give it to the next generation. Right? And how do we know that a teacher has to show his students the reasons for the teaching, right? Like, in other words, you can't just say, this is the halakha. You have to say, why? Because here now they quote a pasuk in Shmot Parak Chav Aleph Pasuk Aleph. These are the judgments where you shall set before him, right? So in other words, that things need to be laid out for them in a way, right? Tassim, right? Needs to put out for them in a way that makes sense to them. The league Muru Kulavni Moshe, right? Now, now they go back to talking about Torah Shabbat Alpeh, and they want to say no. Everyone should have just learned from Moshe four times. Right? So no, the teaching was divided because we wanted to give some kavod to Aaron and to his sons and to the Zikanim, right? But I think it's even more than that. If it only was given by Moshe, then you could see the transmission would stop because people maybe would get nervous and say, we can only learn from Moshe. Automatically in the system, right? And the, this was done through the repetition system. It had to be that other people were revered enough to be teachers, now the Gemara is going to ask a different methodology question. Right? Maybe Aaron should have entered, right? Come in, studied from Moshe. Right? And then his son should have come in and they should have studied from Aaron. Right? The Zikanim come in, they learn from the sons. Right? And then they go at it all, the Israel comes and they teach. So in other words, they're taking up, maybe it shouldn't have been repeated by Moshe to, the, to those four categories initially, right? In other words, it should have been Moshe teaches it to Aaron, then Aaron's the next teacher, right? So in other words, doing it a little bit differently. Amar Mar, right? So Amar said, he quotes a Bryce here, Rabbi Yehuda Omer, Leolam Aaron Liamin. Oh, sorry, I skipped here a little bit. Kevan de Moshe Mipia Guragamar Mistaye Milse, right? So the Gemara answers, right? Since Moshe studied directly from the mouth of Hashem, it was more effective, right, 
for him to teach, to, for, for everyone to hear from Moshe. So I think this expresses some tension here. We need to have a multitude of teachers. But on the other hand, at the end of the day, it's Moshe who heard it in the Gvura, and therefore Moshe needs to do that, um, that initial uh, that initial teaching. Okay, then we have this bracelet from Rabbi Huda, which I'm going to uh, skip, which wants to say that Aaron actually was at the right. Um, and, uh, 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 you know, and why he was at the left. Okay. And then the Gemara goes on and gives a very interesting story. Right. So Ravi Prida, for the sake of time, I'm not going to read the entirety of this in the Gemara. Right. But he has a student who needed to hear a teaching 400 times in order to understand. And what happens? One day they come to him and they tell him, right, Rabbi Prida, that they need him to do a mitzvah. So what did he do? He still taught, right? So he still teaches his, you know, student the regular way, right? And what happened? The student didn't actually learn the material. So he goes to him and he says, what was different? I still went over it the 400 times. And the student gives a great answer where he says he was distracted because he kept thinking that what was going to happen, right? Right? That now what's going to happen? That he's going to, you know, his teacher is going to leave. He kept getting nervous that his teacher wasn't going to actually, um, uh, wasn't actually going to like uh, finish the lesson. So I think this gives us another thing about teaching, right? Students pick up when we're distracted, right? And so even though this was for a mitzvah and it was for a good intention, it still made the student nervous that something was different. And so what does he do in the end? He says, don't worry, pay attention. I'm going to make sure you learn this and I'm going to now repeat it again. And he repeated it again another 400 times. And so because of this devotion, we have this, we have this beautiful bakol that comes out. Right? So this comes out and it says, is it preferable to you that you be rewarded, Rabbi Preda, with 400 years to your life, right? Or that you and the rest of your generation will merit, you know, uh, something in the world to come. And so obviously, what is the answer, right? He says that what? He would rather get the world to come. And then what? And then, Amar lahen hakadosh baruch So Hashem says, lo zuvazu, right? So he says he can get both. So he lives a very long life and the rest of his generation merits the world to come. Um, and then finally, I just want to end with, we get back to our mnemonics. Amar of Chista, Ein Torah, right? Which we talked about yesterday. Ein Torah niknet ela besimanim. Right. And I think this gives us a methodology that we see throughout the Gemara. Right. We have all those passages that start with like a mnemonic or a code for a word to help you memorize what the teaching is. So Rav Chisa says the only way you can remember Torah is basically doing mnemonic. Um, and so he goes back to the same pasuk that we had before in Devarim Shinem Sima Bifihem, put it in their mouths. Sima Ela Right. Don't read it as putting it in their mouth, but it's a sign. In other words, that's a way to memorize. Um, that's a way to memorize material, and then we have a, a similar teaching of Rav uh, Rav Tachlifa, uh, um, who came from Eretz Yisrael. Um, who he gives a different pasuk uh, from Yirmiyahu, uh, right? Using a different word, Hatsivila Tiyunim Similach, right? That you should have signposts for yourself. And what does that mean? That would be some type of uh, that would be some type of mnemonic. So again, I think what we're seeing here in this daf, and I think it does relate to the daf that we had previously, is you know the Gemara really reflecting on 
How does Torah Sheba Alpad get transmitted? What are the responsibilities of a teacher? And what's the best way for a student to memorize things, which they keep going back to our mnemonics, which is something that we see employed all throughout the Gemara. So I just want to hone in on just one thing of the many, many things that you've discussed here, which is that this idea that of, of reviewing something or reading something four times. Um, long before I ever knew this Gemara, I, and I don't know where I came up with it. I think it was simply intuitive. I would sit with my chavrut and I would say, I need to read it four times before. And, and this was about reading, right? This was not about reviewing something that we already knew. And the rationale I had, and, and I have seen this borne out throughout my life, meaning this has been going on for decades now, is that reading something four times tells you what you don't know and what you do know. And especially with Gemara, if you're not using all these aids that we now have, English and and vocalization and podcasts and so on, right? So the Gemara itself where it's, you know, can be so oblique without having that kind of punctuation. So you read it through a few times, quite literally a few times, and you end up getting a sense of the pace of things. And the first time through, maybe you don't realize that that's a question and that's an answer, but by the second time or the third time you do, and then you say, ah, I need to look up that one word because I don't know what that term is, but I understand the back and forth of the Gemara now and so on, right? And by the fourth time through, you're like good to pick it apart, I found. And um, and I remember here, Dana, years ago, we were sitting in the base medrash at the same general time at that time and at Midrash Lindemann. And I remember Rabbi Shalom Berger saying, oh, yeah, it's a Gemara. You have to read things four times. I was like, whoa, Baruch Shekivanti. Right here it is, this, this approach that I'd already been taking. And anybody who's learned any Gemara with me ever, um, I think, has heard this rule for me. So there it is in the Gemara four times. Yep, this is exactly the source of it. And I, and I think there's truth to it, right? With the more you go over something, the more you're going to learn it. Well, that's our DAP discussion for the day. Rank us, review us on all major podcasts. Thank you to Robin and Michelle Farber for hosting us on the Hadron website. Let us know what you thought about this DAP on our Talking Talmud Facebook page. And until tomorrow, go and...